Surely it is God who saves me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. For the Lord is my stronghold and my sure defense, and he will be my savior. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, today we arrive at the third Sunday of Advent, a day when our blue candles get a reprieve, and instead we are greeted with a pink candle, a soft, light pink that in some way stands out, and perhaps the most curious among us might ask, why a pink candle the third week of Advent? Well, today is what is known as Gaudete Sunday, Rejoicing Sunday, Gaudete, is Latin for the word rejoice. And how appropriate that in preparation for his holy coming, we take a break from the blue candles and light a soft and beautiful rose-colored candle, a feminine color, symbolic of a mother and baby, a reminder that indeed our Emmanuel is on his way. And yet, we are also greeted with the in-your-face, no-holds-barred words of John the Baptist. You brood of vipers. Not exactly soft, joyful words for Rejoicing Sunday, are they? Well, in the wisdom of the church, however, it's not by accident that these words of John also cry out on Rejoicing Sunday. This is what he says, bear good fruits worthy of repentance. In other words, do good. John doesn't tell the crowd to try and do grand and mighty things. As radical as this man was, subsisting on locusts and wild honey, calling the wilderness home draped in camel clothes, No, John isn't calling those gathered to hear him speak, to live radically as he has chosen an ascetic, stark, rugged life. Instead, those who are listening to him are asking him the question, John, what then shall we do? John knew he was with a group of folks who wanted to know what they should do. And if I were to be honest, this is what hits home with me in this scripture today. Just as the crowd asked John, truly, what are we to do? In other words, John, how do I live out what you have asked for us to do? What does it mean to repent and bear good fruits? What does that mean? So instead of calling those gathered to join him in the life of being a wilderness man, he does something even more radical. He speaks to the crowd, and do you know what he tells them? He tells them to simply go home. A bit anticlimactic, but that's what he says. Go home. Another way of saying that, and this is my priestly interpretation of it, is in one's daily life, 
your regular world and your station in life. Do what you've been doing, but do it better. Do it more honestly. And do it always as an act of service for others. In other words, don't think that holiness is somewhere out there that I can go and get. Or that the sacred life is only present when you enter a church door. Instead, the sacred life is present on the ground in which you walk, in the house with where you call home with the people that God has given you to love. It's not somewhere out there to be obtained. Instead, it is with you. It's in your home, in your work, and dare I say, in all the mundane and ordinary ways that life presents itself. You are always in the midst of holy. Therefore, as John says, share what you have. Be honest and above board in your work. Be faithful to whatever task is yours to perform in life. Find contentment in the tasks that take up so much of your time. See all of it as holy. See all of it as sacred. As ways to bear good fruits worthy of repentance. I'm convinced this is how you begin to change the way the world works, by embracing where you are, by not seeing it as boring and uninspired, but instead seeing it as the place and the people you need to be with, those people you are called to, by God who wants nothing more and for you to bear his image in everything that you do. So one way this came to pass for me and for a few others this week happened just a few days ago. This week, a handsome 19-year-old young man showed up in our office, and he ended up spending the entire day with us. Unfortunately, he'd been kicked out of his house by a gun-wielding, out-of-control, raging, drunken father. And when he showed up at our door, he had spent two nights sleeping in the Kroger parking lot. And I simply asked him, why did you choose the Kroger parking lot? And he simply said, well, it's lit. And there's an ER in case something would happen to me, I could get the help I needed. Well, through the course of visiting with the office staff off and on, he shared a pretty violent childhood starting at 12 when unfortunately his parents divorced. This divorce led his father into the world of alcohol, choosing alcohol over spending time with his children and teaching them the basic skills of life, such as how to drive, how to balance a checkbook, how to cook. And as this young man shared, 
he simply looked at me and he said, I wasn't allowed to do anything other than go to school and come home. Well, one of the bright spots of this visit, it was a blessing beyond measure. One of the bright spots was when this young man candidly shared how he had dealt with this overwhelming sadness, which was his life, through what came naturally to him. Humor. <laughs> and without hesitating, he switched his voice to Kermit the Frog, just like that, in an instant. It was so unexpected that it immediately brought a smile to my face. And then without thinking, he switched his voice to Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I was in awe with how effortlessly he did this. And how within just a few seconds, he had changed the disposition in the room from one of heaviness to lightness that only can come through the God-given gift of humor. He then went on to say that even though life had been bad, he still had a hope of either being a psychologist or a person paid to do voiceovers. I'm convinced he could do either quite well. In the meantime, he needed a place to stay in a new direction in life, and one of the office volunteers gently reminded him again and again throughout the day how he had worth and how we all believed in him and that he could find a new way. Well, with a generous member from Grace, they arranged to put him up in a hotel through the weekend. And he has an appointment on Monday morning with an Air Force recruiter. all done by members of grace, quietly going about life, but recognizing the holy moment in front of them and saying yes to it. Not looking for the holy out there, but seeing it show up in the form of a 19-year-old boy scarred by a life he really didn't ask for. So I say it again, do it better. Knowing that when we all do it just a little bit better, with a little bit more love and care in our hearts, and with a little more awareness and attention, that even in the worst of times, the hardest of times, the times that do, do really, to try, excuse me, the times that truly do test and try us. We don't believe and give in to the old adage that says, God doesn't give me more than I can handle. That's not in the Bible, and it's not promised. Instead, we choose to reframe it and say, this isn't what I want, but it is where I'm at. Here's the thing about faith 
the, faith, the thing about faith that I cling to. And I think it's something that becomes so easily forgotten when covered up in sorrow and pain. But it is an eternal and timeless truth, and it is this, that there is nothing, and I mean nothing, that cannot be redeemed by God. In God's economy, nothing is wasted, even our pain, our struggle, our loneliness, our despair. Every bit of it is redeemed. All of it can be made good. And as this young man reminded me this week, sometimes it's even through Kermit the Frog and Mickey Mouse. But what it does take is a slight and subtle way of shifting our thinking. Some might feel that it is a complete and total paradigm shift. Choosing the way of John. Seeing the very ordinary lives we live as good news and as holy and as sacred. And even with the pain, the struggle, and hardships that come, believing wholeheartedly that it will and it can be redeemed. Believing there is joy even when joy has yet to arrive. Trusting that we are taking part in the grander work of cosmic renewal, even when our lives feel anything but grand. And the thing about it is, is that we're invited into it by God who loves us and is so worthy of our trust. So often we forget that everything we do reflects the God we serve and love. What we do every day at work, at school, cooking dinner for our family, helping to clean up afterwards, and every single thing in between. All of it matters. All of it is profoundly spiritual and profoundly important. That's why everything we do matters. Everything we say matters. Because we have been changed by our own baptisms so that everything can make a difference. So that we can continue to participate in the good news of changing our world, doing things that no one expects, because we can't help but want to, because we have been so changed, and we, despite what our present circumstances might be, are blessed. And because of that, we are grateful. John comes before Jesus because he is preparing for us a world in which the savior of the world inhabits. And what he does is calls it to order. And guess what, y'all? We're part of it. And whatever little corner of the world you happen to inhabit, 
I'd like for you to heed the words of John today. Make it better. Love what you have been given to love a little bit more purely and a little bit better. (laughs) Pray for your enemy. Better yet, oh, this is hard, love your enemy. Go and make amends. Share, give, ask God to change your heart if there is bitterness. Serve in a way that leaves others saying, wow, my life is better because I know you. Because when you do all of this and inhabit your world in a better place, you will understand exactly what John says. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Thanks be to God. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.